going to tell a few stories in this sermon. It's going to be a little bit different than how I would normally preach or teach or however you would say it. Um, Jesus would often speak in parable. He would like tell a story that would tell a truth about what he was trying to say. So I kind of want to do that today. I want to just get us to think about a few things that we've seen in history to make us look at like how we're participating in our present. Amen. And uh, we talked about in the first week. So when we set up the series, we said, hey, the Christmas story, as much as it is about salvation and redemption and God's plan to uh, cover us in his blood so our sins can be forgiven, uh, as much as it's about that, and that is God's plan. It also came with the message. The angels would say first to Mary, hey, don't be afraid or don't have fear. Um, be at peace. I'm, I'm working here. I'm doing a thing. Uh, same thing to Joseph. Like, hey, I know you could be afraid. I know you have thoughts of fear and, and how it's all going to work out, but don't be afraid. Even the, the shepherds on the hill, uh, the angels came actually two times to them and just made it obvious that, hey, don't be in fear that I'm working in this. Partner with us on this whole thing. And so we talked about not being afraid afraid of what God has for us. And when you look at times like that, don't be afraid because as much as the Christmas story of salvation, it's also a message of partner with me to restore all things, to bring peace to our communities and to our world. Amen. And so that was that. And then last week we talked about how uh, the scripture says that blessed are the peacemakers for they are the children of God, meaning people that know how to make peace in a place that there isn't peace. They come into a situation and they can, they can create that which isn't there. And so in a world of chaos and turmoil, and that's just our last six months that we showed. You can come in and the children of God can come in and they can take the broken pieces and they can, they can act with God and restore things and build things back together because they're the children of God. They, they know how to bring about peace. Amen? So we talked about that last week. We said it uh, that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, meaning he is the all-peace person. He, he's the most of peace. And so if we are the children of God, people should be able to look at you and say, like, if you ever look at the Ferris kids, like, oh, that's definitely a Ferris kid. And that's definitely a Reese, and that's definitely a hope. You can tell by the way that they imitate their father or their creators, right? Same thing should be said about Christians. It's, hey, look at them. They're definitely Christians. Look at the way they're going about bringing peace and creating peace. So our nature and the way that we walk should be like the Prince of Peace. We're imitators of God, the Scripture says. And so we can look at situations like that and know that God with us we can go and bring restoration and hope and peace to a world. Amen. Uh, Christians, literally being called a Christian, you're given that term because it means you're a Christian. You're a follower of God. You're a what? You're a Christian. I'd look at you and say, Christian, oh, you're a Christian. You're like somebody. You're somebody who follows God and acts like Jesus taught us to act. Amen. And so one of the things that uh, God did is He came to Earth and He broke. Uh, sin and hit a bunch of church words tore the veil, tore, tore the veil. Uh, all, the, all that amazing, really cool spiritual stuff happened in order to provide what? Provide us the ability to be near God, to draw near to God, to have access to the Father in a way that we can partner with Him in the work that He's called us to do here on earth. Amen. That's why he says when you pray, hey, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We got work to do in both places. You got a salvation process. You got saved. You got your ticket to heaven. You're going to heaven. But in the meantime, you just don't wait in line to get to heaven. You get to work here on earth. We partner with God to make a difference in our communities. We help be somebody who, who partners with God to bring hope and restoration and peace here on earth. God always chooses 
people to accomplish his work. All throughout scripture and all throughout the rest of mankind, God is always going to choose people to accomplish his work. We can't just sit here and say, oh boy, that was bad. Uh, God, will you go fix that? And God's like, I'll do it with you. You want to do it together? Let's do it, right? And, and we pray and we ask God and we ask God to move, but he's always going to do it through obedient people. Always has and always will. God will use people to accomplish what he wants to do here on earth. Amen? That's why I believe, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but Ephesians 5.16, that's why I believe it says we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. Um, There's some scriptures that are like the kind that you keep in your pocket, you put on your mirror. This is one of those that you need to remind yourself every day that who's to redeem the time? We are. We, with God, are called to redeem these times because the days are evil. Now, we believe the backside of that. We believe that the days are evil. That's easy to talk about. You turn on the news or you talk to a neighbor, you hear of a thing, and you go, man, these times are rough. These times are bad. But how much do we believe in the idea that, you know what? God's called us to be the people who redeem these times. The message of peace on earth and, and, and God coming and providing and making a way for us to partner with him. I mean, the scripture is loaded of Jesus saying, look, hey, I'm, I'm choosing you. I'm using you. I'm equipping you. He gave you the Holy Spirit, which the word calls your helper. Like, hey, here's a helper. It's going to help you do what? Accomplish what God called you to do here on earth. Even Jesus takes it even a crazier level. He goes, hey, one other thing. Um, I'm going to go to heaven and you're actually going to do greater things than I did. And then yet we see things on the news and we hear things and we're like, I wish God would fix this. I wish somebody would come down and God's like, I wish you would take that helper and take that word I gave you about how you're going to do greater things and go help partner with me on this. And we can bring about peace on earth. Amen. So the scripture, this word redeem here in Ephesians says uh, it's a Greek word, which is kairos. And many of you have heard us explain this, uh, but it's the word kairo where we get kairos moment. But Cairo means a window of opportunity, a small moment in time, open a second and then gone, a glimpse. It's a Kairos moment. And we all are given those opportunities where God gives you a moment that's open for a moment and then gone, a small moment in time, a glimpse where somebody's positioned in your life or you're passing some situation and God has put you there for a specific reason. And we need to have our our ears open, our heart open, our eyes open to the idea that we serve a God who's still alive and still uses people to make a difference. And we have moments that we need to capitalize on. Amen. These moments of bringing peace on earth, God wants to use people to do that. The truth is about time, we're all on a track called time. It's the same track. Time works the same way. A rich person doesn't get a different amount of time. A poor person doesn't get a different amount of time. A smart person, a a less educated person, time isn't different. It can be spent differently based on resources and different things, but we're all given the same amount of time. And the thing about time is God has intended you for you to use it properly. He says, number your days and spend them accordingly. Amen. Because time is a valuable thing that he's given to us. That's why the scripture says tomorrow is promised to no man. And we use that in church all the time as an altar call. You might leave here and get hit by a bus and what tomorrow is promised to no. And we hear all that stuff. But how much more so should we have this idea that, you know what, Kairos moments happen every day in my life and tomorrow is promised to nobody. 
I can't put it off to tomorrow. I can't say after the holidays. I can't say when I get this all figured out, when everything's put together perfect, then I'm going to be ready for God to use me and give me a Kairos. But no, now, now we got to partner with God to make a difference. Amen. We say it like this around here. If we don't plant today, we don't harvest tomorrow. So that's the thing is you can miss a Kairos moment here and now, but because of the law of sowing and reaping, not only if you don't capitalize today, you miss what God has put for tomorrow in the kingdom and generations to come. Our days matter. Why do you think the enemy works so hard to distract us, to keep us busy and occupied and, and stressed out? Do you know, uh, I heard Bill Johnson, he's a teacher, a pastor in California, made this great statement uh, about six months ago. I think I heard when I was listening to him. And he said, uh, every answer that this world needs, whether it be government, whether it be in our school systems, whether everything that's out of order, uh, healing to cancer, all, all of the things, all those answers God has in heaven. Would you agree? And so he also speaks. We're called to have the mind of Christ. So if in heaven there's the answers and we're called to have the mind of Christ, what's happening is the enemy is going to keep you so distracted, so discouraged, so negative that we can't hear clearly and therefore we miss the answers. Amen? And so that's why every moment matters. We have to, we have to pray. We have to be diligent about the things we let in and the things we, we, we let distract us and cloud us because God has a work that he wants us to do. He wants to partner with us to be bringing this restoration and hope and peace on earth. The story is about, hey, salvation is taken care of. But in the meantime, let's do a great work here on earth. Amen. So there's a story of this guy named Kublai Khan. And uh, he ruled at its time the largest empire in its history. From Poland to the Pacific Ocean, from Siberia to India, uh, he ran this empire. And uh, there's this guy, Marco Polo, which some of you know because you played the game or some of you know because your kids play the game and you hate it. But it's a pool game that we call Marco Polo. And uh, he was a real guy and he led an army to this empire to trade with them. And so when he got there, Kublai Khan heard that his army, uh, that these people that went and traded, uh, they had this thing called the Bible and that uh, there was information in it about how to live and that God created and had a plan for you. And so uh, Kublai Khan said to Marco before he left, will you, when you get back to your land, will you send us 100 skilled Bible teachers? And so 100 skilled Bible teachers for this largest empire to, to hear of and know of and learn the things of God. And the story goes on to say that uh, a person tried and didn't make it. Two more people tried and got to the Gobi Desert and turned around. And essentially, at the end of it all, they never sent anybody. They never made it there. And the story goes on. And what we know is that the church had it handed to them on a silver platter. The largest empire uh, of its time was given, was asking, was desiring the gospel. And we failed to make that moment. Kublai Khan, because the people were hungry and no one filled their need, he offered the same thing to Buddhists. And all of Asia was converted to Buddhism. And 800 years later, they still worship Buddhism because the church missed its moment. Because the church let an opportunity slip. And we don't know why. We don't know why what they came back to and got distracted from. We don't know as they tried to make attempts. We know we got there, that they got there before. So we know that it was possible to get there. But somewhere along the line, they let distraction happen, and it cost them a harvest. Amen? 
I hope about our life, it's not said that there's territories that are hungry for an answer and we get distracted and we fail the territories God gave us. We fail, we fail to give them the answer and meet their needs. You look at a world like this that is crying out for answers. I hope that we be a people who are diligent and we don't miss our moments and we partner with and trust God in bringing them the answer. Amen? You're given a territory, your school place, your, your workplace, your home environment, all the places that you got, you've been given. God is saying, partner with me to influence these. It's not an accident that you are where you are. You're also not called to just hide out where you are. Oh, I'm a Christian who's just surviving. I just got to get to heaven. We, uh, gospel music and older Christian music, that's how we'd write the songs. Just waiting on the heaven train, you know. Whenever that war in the stars is done, then we're going to go to heaven. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy that our mindset is like, hey, when Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you better or more abundantly. Like he said, like, I've come to give you a better way to live here and now. Amen. Yeah. There's this gangster who's really for, uh, famous in England. Uh, his name actually is Mr. Peace, uh, but it has nothing to do with this. It's just a, a bad story that I pulled. Bad timing. Amen. My wife's pregnant, so I'm real busy getting milkshakes and ice cream and stuff. So I just have this story to tell you. So there's this gangster, Mr. Peace, and he's the most notorious gangster even to this day in all of England. Uh, nobody has more murders. Nobody has more robberies. Nobody has more uh, destruction of lives than this guy named Mr. Peace. But he eventually was caught and sentenced to the death chair. And one thing they do at that time is they will send you a pastor or a preacher or somebody to talk to you before you go to the electric chair. And so the story goes and the time comes where Mr. Peace is there and he's in a straight jacket and they're about to execute him. And he hears the men coming down the hall, the keys, the walking people are coming and a preacher comes up to them and he has a Bible and he begins to describe to Mr. Peace heaven. He tells them about the pearly gates and the streets of gold, and there's no more death, there's no more pain, there's no more tears or fear, there's no hate, there's all of these great things about heaven. But he also begins to describe hell and how Lazarus in the scripture just wished for somebody to touch their finger to water and put it on his tongue because he was in such agony of, of thirst and there's gnashing of teeth and the feeling of falling forever and you uh, bite on your tongue and there's just all just this nastiness of hell. This pastor begins to describe. And so as they took Mr. Peace's straight jacket off, uh, as soon as he got free, he grabbed the preacher by the neck and threw him up against the wall and said, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that, preacher? And the preacher said, well, sort of, I guess. I've, I've kind of experienced some of it. I suppose so. And the story goes that the Mr. Peace says, that's pathetic. From low in the north to Liverpool in the south, if the road was jagged bones, broken glass, if I was chained to my hands and feet, upon my hands and knees, I would crawl to save one person from that place you called hell. And you suppose so? And it says that the story is he put himself in the electric chair and took his death, which without a prayer of salvation, many would believe he sent himself to hell that day because a pastor or a minister or a Christian said, well, I suppose so, kind of, maybe, I've experienced some of it. And I wonder if some of the chaos in the world shows up on our door and says, do you really believe that God can get me out of this? Do you really believe that God can restore us? Do you really believe that he can bring peace in this time? And we say, well, may, maybe kind of, if I have some time, I'll schedule it. Maybe I can. And our response is the same as Mr. Peace. 
Maybe with a little, maybe I can make some time. After the holidays, I'll tell you about it. I hope we don't respond the same way as that story. I hope we can stick our chest out and say, no, I'm telling you, I've seen God move in my life. I believe that the power of God can change your family, can change your, amen? I hope that we respond better than that. I thought about this as the world shows up to us. And can this ever be fixed? And can this ever, and we say yes, because the power of God is real and he's moving and he's working. And then you invite somebody to it. Amen. Christians, we talk about the next move of God. We say it all the time. Oh, I can't wait for God to move. I can't wait for God to, he's coming and he's going to heal. And we keep talking about God, like God's late or he hasn't shown up or has he. And so when God moves, when God, and we're always talking about God's next thing. And I believe God is up in heaven waiting for us to make our next move with him. He's up there like, yeah, I want to move. Let's go do it. Let's go do a move. Let's work together. God uses people to do his work here on earth. But think about it this way. If the scripture says that when we're faithful in little, he makes us ruler over much, could it be that God isn't doing more because he isn't giving us more because we aren't faithful in the little? I mean, if you think about it, is it possible that moves of God are being held back because we are unwilling to be faithful? We're unwilling to follow through. We're unwilling to go to to the end on the little things. Now, I know God's all powerful and and he's going to do all that he's and he's going to restore. I get it. I'm not saying anybody is going to is going to restrict God or tie God's hands. God, God is going to do what God has uh, prophesied to do and what the Bible says he's going to do when it comes to restoring our land. Right. But I just wonder if in our communities and in our places, the brokenness and the pains that we see are because we haven't been faithful and God hasn't been able to give us more and increase our influence and increase our reaches. Amen. Uh, There's a really interesting story. Many of you have heard. Of course, it's of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Many of you have heard that. But the story, I'll just kind of give you the highlights. It goes like this. Uh, There's a guy who's traveling and he gets jumped. He gets beat up and he's in crisis. He's in chaos. He's on the side of the road, injured, bleeding. Um, It's critical. And the story goes that the priest walks by and totally ignores him, pays no attention to him. The second person walks by, uh, goes, the scripture says, to the other way. And then the story says that the third person who comes is the Good Samaritan, and he sees the crisis. He notices the pain. He hears the hurt. Are you with me? And he says, hey, I can't walk past that. As a matter of fact, I need to come be a part of that. And so he gets down alongside it, and he begins to heal him and bring uh, restoration to him and pay attention to his pain. And then it says he takes him to the place where he can get fully healed and fully restored. And then on top of that, he says, hey, not only am I going to leave you with this place that can take care of you, I'm going to make sure that they have some money. And he tells the person there, hey, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, make sure restoration and peace happens to this person. Amen. I wonder how many of us, because we would never walk past someone who's in crisis or anything critical or anybody hurting and broke. We would never just walk past. I can't believe it happened in this story. Or yet, how many of us actually do that in our world? We just do it a different way. We hear of a story of something that's happened in somebody's life and we go, hey, have you heard about them? Man, they got jumped. They're hit. Man, they're down. It's, It's critical. They're beat up. And we just talk about it and move on. Or you hear, have you heard about them? Or you see a situation, you go, man, that's messed up. Look at them, they're crazy. And we just keep on going. 
Instead of being a person who goes, man, look at them. They're hit. They're hurt. Look at that. Let's get down in the ditch with them and, and help heal them and restore them and bring peace to them and make sure they have what they need and can get to the place that they need to be able to receive healing and pay for it and take care of it. Amen? And then the story goes, so the question is happening in the parable. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. It is our mission. It is our honor as Christians to be people who don't avoid the injuries and the crisis and the blood of the world. We get to go participate in it with God to bring peace on earth. That's Christmas. Amen. I thought about it like this. When we love the least of these in the worst of times, we are imitating our Heavenly Father. When we love the least of these at the worst of times, it, we are imitating our Heavenly Father. What do I mean by the worst of times? I mean when you take the time to love the least of these, when you're busy, when it's the holidays, when the weather's terrible, when you don't feel like it, when your house is acting crazy, when you still take the time to love the least of these at the worst of times, you're never more than like your Heavenly Father. Because when we didn't deserve it, when it wasn't time, the perfect time, when all, God still came down and helped heal us. Amen? It's being the Heavenly Father. And then what we do is we think we're standing up for something because we click like on a Facebook post or we share a Facebook post that we believe in or we click angry on something. We were over here and we say, oh, look, I don't, I don't like that. Angry. Look at me standing up for God. I'm bringing peace on earth because I clicked angry on that thing I don't like. Or news happens or something happens in the world and, and we just talk to our friend like, that's not right. I don't, believe in, I don't believe in that. That's not right. And then we go about our business. Instead of going, hey, I don't like that. That's not right. How can I participate in that? How can I get in the middle of that? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 40,000 people will feed by the end of the year next year right here in West Michigan. And do you know that there's even more than that that we need to do? churches in our area, we're gathering up schools that have gone to other churches, and the church says, nah, we're good. We don't want to participate. Wow. They see a critical need on the side of the road, and they go, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. I hope that's not said about our lives. Amen? Let's get down in the ditches and help bring healing. Let's partner with God to bring that peace here on earth. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I guess the whole point to all of this, if we've heard this scripture say it, you know, hey, don't be people who just love and talk. Be people who love and deed in truth. Like get down in the ditch and ask people how they're really doing it. Ask them how you can help them and tell them you're not going to leave them. Amen? But we love to just be Christians and catchphrases and stuff we share and posts we put up about the reason of the season. Amen? But let's not be that. Let's be people who get down in the ditch and, and partner with God to help bring that peace on earth. And we can tell people, fear not. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and what it teaches us and what it shows us. And God, I pray that at this time, at this season especially, you help us carry the message of fear not, that we have a way maker, that we have a savior, somebody who saves us from ourselves and from this world and from these ways of a broken world. God, I pray that you give us the boldness to be people who will get down in the ditch and help heal and restore chaos and heal brokenness and, and make a way for others. 
God, I pray for all of us as we enter into the upcoming weeks as it's Christmas. God, I pray that you help us walk in your nature, the Prince of Peace. Help us be people who bring peace into situations because blessed are the peacemakers. I thank you for it. God, as you give us the ability to be people who meet the needs of the least of these in the worst times, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.